This. This is, this is diversified, diversified, diversified game, game, game. game. A podcast giving entrepreneurial advice from a diverse and inclusive perspective with Kelly. He may agree, he may oppose, and it's more than just race, it's about, you know, ideas. So, let the game begin. It's Kellen, and today I have Maria Lloyd from Management 24. This is going to be a different type of conversation because I know Maria a little bit, and I saw her on the Clubhouse app the other day. We were in a group talking about books, and I said, hold on. I've sent Maria an invite a couple of times. If she got time for Clubhouse, she has time for Diversified Game. Maria, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm well, Kellen. Thank you so much for inviting me to be on. So great to see you. Great to see you too. And I just need to hear what is the 2021 plan? Who is under the management company? What are the exciting things that you're going to do? And then we also are going to jump into Africa because, you know, it, yes. it came up in Clubhouse. So tell us. Yeah. So, man, 2021. Um, you know, honestly, the theme going into 2021 and really beyond is simplicity. Um, my life has been incredibly complicated for almost 10 years now. Um, and it's not all bad, of course. I've, I've had a great time over this past decade. But moving forward in order for me to really uh, reach some aggressive goals that I have for myself, 2021 has to be simple. So with that being said, uh, number one, I am releasing a book around copywriting. And so for everyone that's listening, watching, whatever, I am a copywriter, um, not the copyright that you send off to the United States Patent and Trade Office or whatever, trademark office. Um, I'm actually a writer, a professional writer. Um, and so what's happening in January of 2021, the first thing is a book. I'm finally releasing a book. Um, and it's going to focus on email copy. So that's number one. Um, number two, because I have a unique background in terms of working in HR um, and I'm a professional writer, I'm also releasing a program to help people get employed. I've been writing some fire resumes, Kellen, um, to the point where people have literally, and this is probably the most extreme case, but um, this happened about a month ago, actually. I helped a former neighbor land a job within a month. She got laid off. She texted me the day that she was laid off. I got on the phone with her, helped her with her resume. Within two hours of submitting her resume on Indeed and various websites, she had calls for job interviews, and then she got an offer within a week. So wow. um, I am launching a program to help people get employed and at least get their foot in the door. And I also coach people on interviewing because again, I have that unique background in HR as well as um, writing. I'm a professional writer. Last but not least, talking about simplicity, I've already named two things. Last but not least, um, I am getting into digital real estate. And what I mean by that is I have a portfolio of URLs that I own. So I plan to sell those next year. And in addition to that, I have two blogs that I own and I plan to grow the traffic and the revenue for those two blogs and sell those as well next year. So um, really just simplifying my life and yeah, writing my first book or releasing my first book, which I'm very excited about. 
Man, the AKAs would be proud of you, and so would Clark University. Um, Clark Atlanta. Clark Atlanta, the um, place that was probably my first choice, but um, grade said otherwise, and parents Mm -hmm. said, ha ha, you thought we were paying for that. Um, But, um, you know, it all worked out at Grambling State University, the Harvard of the South. But you are definitely um, doing a lot. And I love to hear that. Now, are you, you know, you talk about a blog, but I mean, you're the, you know, queen of managing YouTubers as as well. So will that blog become a vlog because, you know, you have a face for TV? Well, thank you. Um, Honestly, I don't want to be the face of the blogs because I plan to sell them and it'll be harder for me to sell them on the market. If I'm the face, I'm the brand, then I have to, you know, the, the, the new buyer or the buyer of the blog will have to figure out who's going to take my place. Um, So it won't, as of now, it will not be a vlog. Ironically though, I do have some interviews that I pre-recorded before I actually launched the blog, one of the blogs. And I am interviewing um, the people. But right now, I've hired two um, journalism majors at Clark Atlanta University, my alma mater. Um, And so now they are kind of the face, if you will, of these interviews. So I really don't want to have a set person because when I sell the platform, I want the new owners to be able to do whatever they want to do with it. Awesome. Awesome. No, that that's good. So how did you find like the, you, you know, your gifts? Did you just kind of stumble upon and keep trying things? But for that entrepreneur says, wow, she's doing a lot. Like where, where did it all begin? And not that like, you know, those big names, we don't need to, you know, name drop because they ain't paying you. But, you know, how did you just find out that you were gifted in what you're doing now? So I've always been a really inquisitive kid. Um, I think my aunt, who is one of two educators in in my family on my mother's side, I believe she taught me how to read at three or four. I mean, I, you know, I learned how to read really quickly. And so as a kid, especially growing up as an only child, although I have siblings from my father, I was raised by my mother. And so I was, I'm my mother's only child. So I was raised as an only child. And so I just kept my head buried in books. Um, And so I started journaling when I was like six years old. In fact, I still have my little diaries from first grade to present. I still journaled. Of course, now I feel too old to say a diary. So I have my journals. Um, Even now I still journal. I'm an avid journaler, but I started writing when I was six years old in the first grade. And I realized that I had a gift because one, I always excelled in English. So I actually took pride in, and I was very excited about writing papers and reports um, in my English courses. And it didn't really come to a head until I went to college, freshman year at Clark, and people started paying me to write. And I was like, whoa, you mean to tell me I can get paid to do this? Like, I've been doing this since I was six years old. I mean, now I can get paid for it. Um, And so I just really, from there, it it just took off. I was getting paid to write bios for up and coming artists in Atlanta. I was getting paid to write copy on people's websites. I was getting paid to write papers. Um, I mean, you name it, I was getting paid to write. And I I was so fascinated by that because again, it's, it's really my interchangeably my first love uh, along with reading. So 
um, that's when I discovered I, I was on to something freshman year in college when people were like, hey, take my money, take my money. You're a great writer. Okay. Okay. And it just blossomed like that. That's, you know, that's so natural. How did you know how to like price out how much you would, you know, charge to do things and how has that now elevated and increased? And if there's someone who's like, I need a writer right now, at what minimum should they, you know, start at? That's a really good question, Kellen. So when it comes to pricing, and this is across the board, whether you're delivering services or a product, pricing is very much an emotional decision, right? Um, and so the way that I've gauged pricing is I do a few things. One, obviously, my time. So I have a, a dollar amount attached to my time. Um, and so that's where I start first. Okay, how much time will it take me to deliver the end product or the end result rather. Um, secondly, I factor in my credentials and my experience. So what sorts of certifications, degrees, uh, memberships um, do I have that make me an authority figure in this space to charge the rates that I'm going to charge? And again, same thing um, with uh, education, you know, okay, I'm college educated. I hold a a mass media arts degree from a uh, bachelor's of arts degree, I'm sorry, with a mass media arts major from Clark Atlanta University. So I factor in that cost as well. Um, and then last but not least, when you are in any sort of profession, I always recommend people join associations that are related to that profession so that you can get some sort of guide on pricing. And so there is an organization, um, AWAI, which is for professional copywriters. And so I kind of leverage their guide on pricing as a baseline for how I can price my services. So to answer your question in terms of how does one, if they're just starting out, how do they price themselves? Again, I would start by, first of all, valuing your time, realistically speaking, but also factoring in how many years you've been writing professionally um, and also what credentials and associations or memberships you hold that help you hone in on those writing skills. And then I would just kind of go from there. Um, so I, I, like a, 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 a junior copywriter, uh, and again, this copywriting is vast because you have some copywriters that focus strictly on media buying. So advertisements on Facebook, Google, YouTube, et cetera. Then you have some that focus on email. Then you have some that focus on direct mail, like actual letters that are going to people. So it really depends on where you're starting. But just for simplicity's sake, let's say you want, you're an email copywriter. I would say anywhere between $50 to $75 is a decent starting point um, for a new email copywriter. But again, that's assuming that you have a little bit of experience, like maybe one to two years of experience, so a little bit of a portfolio, and you have some sort of membership, maybe you've taken Ryan Dice's copywriting course or something like that to validate um, your skill set. So I would say starting at like 50 to $75 per email. Okay, no, that that's good game for somebody, especially during COVID time, where so many people you know, they, everyone has a different gift, but the gift of the pen and being able to put things clearly, um, that, that's a gift. And you guys can monetize that, especially if you've lost your job. Now, you know, you've had so much experience, whatever you charge, you're giving them a deal because you can't buy your brain. 
you, but you can just get a small piece of it for you know a, a a fair price. How did you get this love of Africa? And you know, have you been able to travel on the continent yet? And I know you had some plans, you know, to go prior to COVID. But where, where does this love of Africa come from? And give us the rundown on that. Any business you're doing out there? Well, uh, my love of Africa really stems from my love of history. It wasn't until I went to an HBCU, um, Clark Atlanta University, that I really started to get a sense of self. I was raised in Mississippi, a suburb right outside of the capital of the state, Jackson. And my school district was predominantly white. Um, I think black students made up anywhere between 15 to 20 percent of the population when I was there. And it was really difficult knowing and understanding self. Um, and so it wasn't until, again, I went to an HBCU that I started to dive very deeply into our history as Black Americans. And of course, that the origin of our, of our history is Africa, which is really the origin of, of the history of mankind. Um, but nevertheless, I instantly became intrigued by the continent with all of its natural resources. How could this one plot of land essentially on the planet be so wealthy in resources, natural resources. And that really intrigued me. And then the various tribes and the traditions and the cultures and the color and the food and all of that, it just really excited me. And um, things really kind of came to in 2015. At the time I was managing um, a scholar and that scholar was invited to speak at University of South Africa. And so uh, we were flown out to Johannesburg, South, Af uh, South Africa. And I really, I, I got off the plane. It was my first time being on the continent. I got off of the plane. It was a 16, 15 hour straight flight from Atlanta. Uh, again, nonstop uh, straight from Atlanta to Joh Johannesburg. And got off the plane. I kid you not, I felt like I was levitating. I had to look down at my feet because I felt like I was just floating. It was crazy. Um, and it's just this, this energy that you pick up when you're on the continent, especially as a Black American, because we're so used to being a quote unquote minority. We're so used to walking into spaces where we almost have to prove that we are worthy of being in those spaces. And to finally go somewhere where you are now the majority, it really helped me put things in perspective. I'm like, I can see why white folks don't want to give up their power. I mean, this is wonderful. You look around and, you know, every professional, every wealthy person looks like you. That's very empowering, you know? So nevertheless, um, I have been to the continent twice. Uh, the first trip that I just talked about, we went to obviously South Africa, but we also visited Botswana and that was amazing. And then the second time that I came, I went back to the continent, which was in 2017, I traveled to South Africa again. And this time, instead of staying in the Joburg, Pretoria area, we flew down to Cape Town, which was just incredible as well. So um, right now, I don't have any business on the ground. What I am doing, though, is I have partnered with one of my dear friends and colleagues. Her name is Dr. Harnett Bokrizian. And I am her affiliate partner for her program. Her program is the Africa Business Academy where she actually kind of, well, not kind of, she coaches people on how to start businesses in Africa or become an investor with 
business owners who are already on the ground. So I'm her affiliate partner. And I didn't mention this because again, I'm trying to simplify my life, but assuming that things uh, take off the way I anticipate they will in 2021, I am envisioning by quarter three that I will in fact be having money invested directly on the continent. I met with Harnett just the other day and I was asking her very specific questions so that I can get ready to go over there and make some meaningful investments. So I love the continent and Africa is rising and black Americans, we need to get on it. Oh boy. Um, And so what did you think about her book and John Paul's book? I know I had mentioned and said, that's, you know, one of my, top two books, but what did you think about her book? I mean, I thought the book was amazing. Um, I've had the pleasure of meeting, well, I've, again, Harnett and I are very good friends. Uh, I've met her in person several times, Um, but I had the pleasure of meeting her and John Paul before I met her in person. I interviewed them every week on a YouTube channel. And so uh, just really honing in on their passion for Africa their passion for bringing Black Americans into the growth that's happening there is incredible. I love their book. Um, I don't even know how I was introduced. You know what? I think Dr. Harnett or either John Paul reached out to me and asked if I would be interested in being an affiliate. I think that's how I found out about the book. And then, of course, I bought it. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. What I really love about the book is, first of all, it's very conversational. It's easy to read. You don't feel like they're talking over your head. It's not a lot of heavy business jargon or anything like that. So that's number one. Number two, it really helps you figure out the growth opportunity and the opportunities for innovation and expansion that are happening on the continent. And so it was so eye-opening for me when I read it. I was like, oh my gosh, you know, there are services and products that we take for granted over here. We're used to it. You know, we were kind of raised into these things, but over there, it doesn't exist, which means if it worked over here, nine times out of 10, it would work over there too. So I, I got so many aha moments when I read the book. Cause I was like, Oh my gosh, I never thought about that. Like they don't have like peer to peer lending programs. Right. Um, but then some guy went to, I think it was the Congo and started one. I mean, and instantly became like a multimillionaire. So it just really opened up my uh, mind to all the opportunities in, in Africa. It's amazing. I love the book. Awesome. And, and, you know, I can hear you guys out there and say, but why don't you ask her, Kellen, like you've asked John Paul, Dr. Hardnett, we want you. Uh, Dr. Hardnett doesn't do a lot of interviews, but I'm going to ask Maria to say, Dr. Hardnett, come do at least two because I know she ha- she is in her bubble and everybody's mm-hmm. you know doing what they're supposed to be doing but um I I just I, I love her content and yes. I hear sometimes people say well because she won't talk to so-and-so I don't know and you know what sometimes there's safety not talking to p- certain people because you don't know if they have your best interest but I definitely I'm one of those people who have the best interest because I love that book. That book is it's up there with the four hour work week. It's up there with the future mm-hmm. is faster than you think. I mean, and not just what it can do for you and I, because, you know, we've been and we have some connections, right. but what it can do for those who they've always had it in their heart, but they didn't know anyone or have like, would this work? And I remember telling people ideas and business that I'm doing now. And people would say, that's crazy that it would never work. And these were Africans saying that would never work. 
And I'm like, huh? And so you kill someone's dream if they're mm-hmm. not a, uh, a Kellen, if they're not a Kellen who says, oh, you said no, I say go. But, you know, yeah, that's, um, I love that. Now, you know, South Africa, I got to ask, did you take a combi bus? I didn't. No, I did not. Um, I guess the wildest thing, if you will, that I did was I had to take the ferry to get to Robbins <laughs> Island. Um, and the only reason why I'm saying that was wild is because I have severe motion sickness. And mm. before I took the ferry, I'd asked a friend because one of my dear friends uh, from New Orleans, uh, shout out to Myra, um, she would happen to be in South Africa at the same time. So we linked up, we went to Clark together. So we linked up and I met another woman and her family who were there from Washington, D.C. And they had just gone on the ferry the day prior. And I said, hey, I have really severe motion sickness. Um, How is that ride? Is it choppy or is it pretty smooth? Oh, no, you'll be fine. It's super smooth. We had no issues. Yeah, it was like 40 minutes. Wasn't that bad? I get on the ferry. And sure enough, it is choppy as hell. Okay. And I am there literally crying, causing a whole scene. Staff had to come over and console me and all this stuff because I was sick to my stomach. <laughs> so that was like the wildest thing, quote unquote, that I did over there. Um, oh, and then I ate like some raw food because we went to a five-star restaurant and then I got sick from that too. Anyway, doing too much. But yeah. um, no, I did not ride the bus. I didn't. I did not ride it that time. Hopefully the next time I make my way back over there, I will. Those, bu- those buses are packed though. Let's, we, those, those buses are packed. Packed uh, all day. I, I love the combi bus. And I, and I say that because South Africa, you know, uh, some people will try to dismiss your trip. My first trip to Africa was South Africa too. I went by myself to see some friends who were, you know, um, they're from Africa, but they're not from South Africa. And people would be like, oh, okay, you went to Africa. You know, when people, you start talking about Africa, you're excited. Oh, you went to Africa. Where'd you go? South Africa. Oh, but you did. You went to the Europe of Africa. And it's like, okay, but it's Africa. And so if I would have went to North Africa, oh, but you went to the, you know, Islam Africa. And it's like, okay. So every time I try to go, anywhere i want to see the experience i want to see the hood i want to see where it's all good so i was just wondering because you know the monte casino i bought some shoes there that they didn't even have in america at the time and so i just trying to get that experience because we all will have a different experience yours might be more posh than mine um but i'm the guy who talk about getting sick e coli i got when i went to cameroon why eating snails by the beach friend handed it to him you eat snails yes i eat snails he's the biggest youtuber in cameroon i said of course i eat snails i've never had snails sick i'm the only one my wife is like nah i ain't eating those snails i come back my father-in-law mother-in-law you ate snails we've never had snails and they're from here and then i just knew a few days later issues but <laughs> don't do that Maria. don't 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 eat snails off the street even if you're by the yeah beach. i won't be doing that kellen <laughs> <laughs> now, I will now not. Do, you, do you see yourself um opening a business there anytime soon um i don't know if i want to open a business there what i would like to do though is invest in real estate there that's definitely an area of interest for me um but i'm not opposed to it you know again i, I just want to make sure that i'm i'm staying true to my 
overarching goal of simplicity because I have a tendency to complicate life. Um, and again, not necessarily saying that in a negative way, just saying that I spread myself thin oftentimes. And because I have such a high tolerance for stress, I don't notice it until I'm almost at a breaking point. So my goal moving forward is simplicity. Um, so with that being said, I'm not opposed to it. Maybe going into 2022, that's something I could explore a little more deeply. But as of in the near future, as in next year, 2021, uh, I would prefer to focus on a real estate investment initially, and then perhaps kind of expand and, and start a business there. I will tell you, I own several URLs with Africa in it. So one of them is africajobhunt.com. So, I mean, I'm not opposed to um, opening a business on the continent at all. I just don't think that right now, I don't foresee that happening anytime um, in 2021, maybe 2022. Okay. Uh, one, of, one of our friends, Churchill, is the like indeed of Africa, young guy um, from Cameroon. And he if you need a job in Africa, his site is the number one, says Forbes. And so that might be Churchill, if you're listening, a domain you would be interested in. Have you invested in any of the dot Africa domains? I have not. Um, I haven't invested in any of the dot Africa domains. I have invested in, I don't, I don't know if this is, forgive me if this is taking us a bit off subject, but what I have invested in are the dot crypto domains. And so with that, because, you know, the whole theme of this, uh, I would say, year or really just the past few years is decentralization, right? Crypto is going to decentralize the bank. Uh, the blockchain is going to decentralize censorship and, and all of that. And so I did invest in quite a few of dot crypto domains for African City. So I purchased a visit Cape Town crypto, visit Nairobi crypto, visit um, Accra crypto. I've, I've purchased a ton of those in the dot crypto space, but I've not purchased anything in the dot Africa space. Okay. Okay. And, and I'll just give this um, just insight. I was talking to GoDaddy where many of my domains are. You can't get a dot Africa um, through GoDaddy, but um, they said, in their research, and this was just a month or so ago, less than 30,000 people had the .Africa domains. And I like those because I see the future. Um, you know, you can really buy some great names that would work. But I was talking to Byron Allen at Napty uh, last year, and it was like, yo, um, that's how he made some of his money buying the dot coms, the dot TVs. And so when you get to nerd out and geek out on stuff like that with people who have already won, you know, we're young, we're still climbing, but mm -hmm. I mean, shoot, we, we haven't bought the weather channel yet. Right. But we, uh, we can do that. So I love that real estate, you know, play because that's a good start and it's not a lot of stress. And I already know, I know, I, I know Maria, like I know Maria, like Maria, where Kellen can be free flowing, Maria is probably that's why she's so detailed in her writings because it has to be perfect, and mine doesn't have to be because you just got to get it. <laughs> so I, I, I get it. Yeah, I get it. You know, and and so with you know all the success that you have had and that you're gonna have in the future because the best is yet to come. What is a community give back that you are doing or that you want to do in the future? 
Oh, great question. So one that I'm doing now, as I mentioned a little earlier, I made a concerted effort to ensure that I hired journalists at my alma mater, because I remember how it felt interning and working for free and stuff like that in college. I'm already struggling. And on top of this, you're telling me in order for me to get valuable experiences, I have to slave away for free. I just, I've always hated that. Um, and I still do even to this day, although I'm in a position to kind of use that to my advantage, I don't. So that's one way that I give back is by literally reaching back and hiring people to work for me from my alma mater. Um, another thing is I serve as vice chair of the board of directors for the Mobile Area Black Chamber of Commerce. So I give back in that regard in terms of helping black business owners in Mobile, Alabama, educate themselves, um, empower themselves, and essentially elevate themselves in business as it relates to Alabama. Um, and then last but not least, one of the blogs that I own, although of course, as I mentioned earlier, it is real estate for me, real estate that I plan to sell eventually, but it is theblackinvestor.com. And the way that I give back through that platform is by giving people um, information about ways to generate wealth. So for example, I interviewed a brother who he and his wife, his name, uh, he and his wife are Jay and Jackie Johnson. They are the owners of Discover Your Options. And Discover Your Options is an investment course that teaches people how to trade options. Um, and so I'd never heard of trading stock options prior to meeting him. I was introduced to him by a mutual friend, shout out to Mo. Um, and so it's through this platform, theblackinvestor.com, that I am not only shining a light on um, prominent or successful Black investors and business owners, but also exposing these resources to Black people. So those are the ways that I give back, um, literally in terms of my time um, and even financially in terms of my money. I'm a life alum of my university um, and I do donate to grassroots Black organizations. So I am a huge advocate of giving back. No, that is awesome, awesome, awesome. And, you know, I, I thank you for, you know, giving the game. Are there any, you know, anybody managing? Are you managing anybody right now as far as um, influencers still or, you know, any, any TikTok? Maybe you said, you know what? YouTube is old. I'm into the TikTok management. Anything like that? No. Um, so I, I, I was in a like co-management sort of relationship with an artist out of Chicago, um, hip hop recording artist and producer, um, songwriter and producer rather. His name is L.A. Van Gogh. Um, and so we kind of modified the relationship just because I'm so again doing too much, Kellen. I'm doing too much. I have to hone it in. So we had to modify that relationship. And now I just manage aspects of his marketing and branding. Um, and so we have some pretty ambitious plans going into 2021. But no, I'm not managing any talent um, or artists or anything like that right now. I really want to focus on managing. Remember, I, I don't know if nobody was listening to this, but before we started, um, I think I was telling you that it's already a daunting task managing Maria. <laughs> so... I don't want to have to be responsible for managing anyone else because I got to get all this 
under control because I'm doing so much at any given time. Um, and I need to kind of hone it in or reel it in rather and, and make better usage of my time and expertise. So no, I am not managing anyone right now. Are it's time to hire. Where are the people who need work? Holler at Maria if you have that skill set. You know, that's that's one of those things of expansion. Trusting mm-hmm. somebody else with your baby. Man, that's a very true. Mm-hmm. And I did just hire a writer, by the way. I did uh, because to your point, you cannot expand if you are trying to manage everything on your own. So I did hire another writer for Management 24. She just started actually a month ago. Um, I was on vacation when um, I extended the offer to her. So she started about a month ago. So she's still in training, but that will be quite um, exhilarating once I get her kind of trained up and, and more independent. So I totally agree with you. Well, you guys, I'm not going to give you a game overload. You know, Maria has many things to do, and I want to take two minutes off air to say two things. But like, share, subscribe. Thank you guys for listening and where this is going. Maria, I thank you for being a guest and being so transparent. Well, I thank you for inviting me to be a guest and for having this great platform for people like me to come on and uh, network and build and share resources and information. So thank you. Thanks for getting in the game and listening to the Diversify Game podcast with Kellen, the number one show pairing entrepreneurship with diverse and inclusive perspectives like wine and cheese, bagel and locks, fish and grits. Be sure to visit DiversifyGame.com for all the good stuff. Join in the conversation and discover more content.